0: Sportsillustrated.com says the Bulls will regret not blowing it up all this season. We're going to talk about that article. We're also going to talk about Alice Caruso being listed as the most underrated player in uh, the NBA and by Bulls fans specifically as well. And we're also going to talk about what happens if this season does go bad. We're going to get to all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, you can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. Also, we are part part of Chi-Town Sports Central Network family of podcasts. So make sure you guys go and check out uh, Chicago Bears Central, Chicago White Sox and Cubs Central, Chicago Blackhawks Central, Chicago Sky Central. Basically, if you got a Chicago team that's your favorite, we probably have a show for it with Chicago Fire coverage coming soon. Now, with that said, let's get into the content for today. First up, we have an article for Stephen Belsick over at Sports Illustrated. And this article is basically built around the fact of just pointing out how the Bulls were have, have basically kicked the can down the road. But the thing that I take the most seriously issue with in this article is that while I can understand the mindset of many Bulls fans and other people kind of looking at this team saying that the Bulls should have blown it up, I do not agree with the fact that the Bulls didn't do anything to improve this offseason. And in this article, one of the quotes I'm going to pull out is, this should have been an offseason in which they explored a proper reset. They didn't. They didn't uh, uh, pointedly prove themselves either. They remain uninspiring and stranded, spinning their wheels without discernible aim. Now, I have very much so lambasted a lot of the national media here on this show in the a little bit we're approaching our two year anniversary in the two years that I've had this show. Right. And so when I hear things like this and I've always said this, the national media, especially like these writers, these journalists, you guys went to school for this. I'm in my basement recording this show, right? And so when I can put in more research to things and be more object- objective than these people who went to journalism school to do this, it's a bit of a slap in the face, right? And so to say that, hey, the Bulls should have explored a proper reset, fine. I get that. There's a lot of Bulls fans. Hell, there are a lot of people in general that share that mindset. But to say that the Bulls didn't do anything to try to improve themselves, that's where I draw the line at personally. Now, I know there are going to be some people that actually hear that quote and completely agree with it, and shout out to you. It's not the issue with people thinking that the Bulls should have improved, uh, explored a reset. It's not even the issue with the Bulls fans thinking that the, the the AK should have done more to improve this team, but to act like there's been nothing done, either is a lack of understanding, and you, can, you cannot agree with the moves, but at least understand. Understandings and agreements are two very different things. In my opinion. I, I I look at it that way. That's how I gotten through life. That's just it is what it is. I can understand you, but not necessarily agree with you. And I think even if I don't agree with your standpoint, but I understand it, I come out still in a better place of understanding, right? But to say that this team did nothing to improve, a team that came into this offseason with only the mid-level exception at their disposal, came in and brought in two players that have absolutely well will, we hope, absolutely improve this team in the area that we had one of the biggest weaknesses at, and that is three-point shooting. Not only do they bring volume, but they bring consistent. Uh, with Torrey Craig, it's been one year of high-level three-point shooting. He's been a solid three-point shooter his whole career. But that absolutely helped improve the Bulls in that margin. And that alone, you're looking at at least – and I'm, I'm not expecting the Bulls to win all these games. I'm not saying that. But, the, but with – the, the improvement in three point shooting percentage and volume, the Chicago Bulls on paper are in at least 17 to 20 more games next last season. and so that is that it, it, so I know that analytic growth, right and this is not just stats stats and analytics are two very different things um th- to grow analytically is one thing until you actually see it on the court, right I understand that that's a very valid standpoint and view to have. But to say that they did nothing to improve—that's where it just—it just doesn't feel right, and it doesn't feel for as somebody who watched this team last season, as somebody who has seen the number of games that we lost because we just weren't a three-point shooting threat at all—that that that it it yeah, it just—it just grinds my gears a little bit. And like I said before, the national media at this point, right? You—they live off clicks, they live off views, they live off having to have these hard line takes because it makes for a good article right? It makes for a good headline, which this is going to get you clicks, which thus is going to get you more ad revenue. They're looking at things the same way that I am in my basement, right? We're talking about ad revenue for people who went to journalism school, right? This is why I keep saying, I don't care who, I don't I don't need nor necessarily want to be your favorite Chicago Bulls content creator, but please follow and, and invest your time in somebody who follows this team because it's their choice. Not because they've been assigned to it, by a larger uh, uh, outlet or anything like that. Just follow the people who are with this team day in and day out, who give their time, their energy, their effort, on, on, that that and still cover this team at an extremely high level. And I can't wait to get this website off the ground. I'm going to bring in Sluggo as a writer because he's great. And I just can't wait to be able to provide a full level of coverage to Chicago Bulls fans through written, audio, and video. But, hey, it is what it is, man. I just saw that article um, and I had to do which surprisingly enough, in me researching and finding this article I actually found out that they also used my video in the article, which crazy. Crazy. So, hey, we're growing around here. That's all I can say on that one. Let's get into the next topic. Alice Caruso was listed as the most underrated player. He came in at number one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And I just want to throw out some interesting statistics that came out of this article. Um, and so when she, Alice Caruso was on the floor. The Bulls managed to hold opponents 106 points per 100 possessions. When the Bulls weren't on the floor, they uh, opposing teams averaged 112.5 points per 100 possessions. And then when you look at the steal rate um, in the 90th percentile for five years straight, and he was 98th percentile in block rate last season, was Alice Caruso. Led the league in deflections at, at per 36 minutes um, amongst all players that played at least 1,000 minutes. And the fact of the matter is this. Alex Caruso, as we've known and been telling you guys, for those that actually watch the games, is an absolute defensive nightmare for opposing teams, and he impacts the the, the game. I know a, a lot of people like to focus on his shooting and the fact that he is not a threat to really score the ball at any type of high level. But to ignore the impact that Alex Caruso has on this game is disgusting, right? And so yeah, while a lot of people won't necessarily pick Alex Caruso as the best defender, maybe even one of the best defenders in the NBA. All the statistics point to it that it is what it is. Alice Caruso finished first in defensive estimated plus minus last season. And you're not going to pick him like, when you look at the best on-ball defenders in the league. The fact of the matter is this, and I know some Bulls fans say Alice Caruso is a luxury. They give anything and everything that they can. The, Alice Caruso impacts the Chicago Bulls winning at a drastic level and rate. And with this team still trying to be a team that is competing, not contending, I like to make sure that I always point that out in my videos. Alice Caruso is a huge part of the Chicago Bulls. And for anyone who looks at Alice Caruso and then says, let's replace him with a more offensive player that maybe can't defend, and they try to use that logic of, well, this is an offensive league, there's no amount of offense. Well, I mean, I say no. There are very few amount of players that can have the, the impact offensively that is going to then also overcome uh and, and affect the game more positively than what Alice Caruso's defense means to the Chicago Bulls. I know it's not the sexy pick. I know it's not the flashy one that you can look at and say, hey, look at this this here stat. Yeah, Alice Caruso averages 36, 38% shooting from three. Like, we don't have that pure stat when it comes to Alice Caruso. He's probably not going to lead the league in steals. He's not going to lead the league in, in in blocks more than likely. He's going to be high in those areas, especially deflections, but He's not going to have that flashy stat. And every time somebody comes and starts talking down on Alex Caruso or acting like he doesn't help this team win at all and then goes right to his shooting, all I can do is say to them at that point in time, watch more basketball instead of watching the damn stat sheet. That's my opinion on that one. Now, the third topic for today that we have up is what happens if the season does go bad for the Chicago Bulls? I've talked a lot about the optimistic side of this for the Chicago Bulls this season. I've talked about how I feel like those improvements in the margins that they've made can drastically help this team go to different places next season and be a much better team. I'm on record. I think that this team can get between 42 and 45 wins on uh, next season, and that's if this team doesn't even click a little bit more than what I am expecting, right? Now, not everyone shares that opinion, and I don't expect everyone to. I, hell, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want everyone to have the same exact opinion. We're not a monolith. But we have to also talk about if this does go wrong, if the if the additions of Javon Carter, Torrey Craig really don't help the Chicago Bulls much, and there are some fans. I mean, I think it was even uh, recently that uh, um, uh, one of the sports betting sites had the Bulls selected at thirty-seven wins this season, right? And so, while I'm somebody who I loved out. I love anything that's going to give a team a chip on their shoulder and something to try to prove wrong. What happens if this team doesn't? What happens if all the naysayers, all the pessimistic Bulls fans, everybody is right about this team and this team doesn't even make the play in this season? Which at some points last season it did look doubtful, and if we were going to even make the play If that happens, what is the next step for the Chicago Bulls? And I want to look at these kind of things. How much longer at that point? Right, not now. I'm not saying now. I'm saying if the Chicago Bulls have a disappointing season maybe miss a play-in how much longer would the front office invest in this core that is the biggest question in all of this because if they're willing to keep investing in a core that at that point isn't even like it, you're, you're getting negative returns at that point we went from being a playoff team yes getting bounced in the first round winning only one game to a play-in team that didn't get out the play-in tournament and and lost to the eventual experience the thrill of march madness if you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie: you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft,
0: fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Eastern Conference champions in 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 the the Miami Heat, but we didn't get to the playoffs. If we then have another go down another ring and don't even make it make the play-in tournament, at that point in time. Can you? Eat, how can you realistically keep selling your fan base on the same court? DeMar DeRozan's an upcoming impending free agent, right? At that point, do you look to maybe move a couple of your young players to maybe get in a more surefire asset and get maybe a, a, a player that has a larger contract and the team may be looking to go full rebuild and may want to take a bite on, on throwing Patrick Williams into the lineup and giving him 18 shots per game, right? That type of question does present itself, and that's Kind of the biggest thing in this is that if AK and Eversley are continually ready to just double down on this core year after year, if they have a disappointing season, that is going to be a hard sell, right? And then you have to look at Coach Billy Donovan. If you do even look at this roster and say, no, we have faith or we think that this roster hasn't got the most potential out of it, how can you then sell your your fan base on a coach that you decided to give a secret extension to and that we haven't really seen Anything that is sustainable or has been sustained yet to show that we're going to have a certain level of play. Hell, we spent most of last season looking for an identity and found it in the buyout market. Now, I think with the acquisitions that we made this offseason, hopefully we're going to come into the season with more of an identity that's much needed. But you still have to sell them that. And then the young players, the young core, the old core, at some point, if the Chicago Bulls season does go bad and goes bad in a big way, you have to make the decision. Are you going to go veterans? Are you going to continue to go win, win now? Or is it time to finally pull that development cord? That doesn't mean trading off all of Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and DeMar Rosen for pennies on the dollar. It doesn't mean you even have to trade all three of them. But it does mean that at some point, you have now invested on a core that you built to, to, to compete now that isn't doing it. And so you've talked about how to up your ceiling. It has to really come down to the younger players developing. You have to then double down and invest even more so in that development if those are the players that you have said now, that's who we're hitching our future for. If the present isn't going to work, and if the present is just going to wind up in us being outside the playing tournament, tournament, drastic changes need to be made for this roster. We'll see if it happens next offseason. We'll see how this season goes for the Chicago Bulls. But before we go, we got two voicemails we're going to play for today. This first one, this one's from somebody who's becoming one of my favorite callers. This one's from Ed Herring. Brother, hey, how you doing? This is Edward Herring, and I'm calling on the
2: topic of Zach. Um, of actually, Patrick Williams, I'm going to keep this short. Um, I've seen a lot of takes from Bulls fans and content creators that I think is kind of lazy because they they seem to be constantly blaming our two leading scorers, Levine, uh, Levine and DeRozan, for the, for the main reason that – Patrick Williams is not, you know, developing to the kind of player he can be. We can't envision him being, and I think that's a lazy take. I think that take lacks insight, and it's not mean. That, it's mean that you're not actually watching the games. Uh, most of the reason why Williams has not manifested into the player we think he can be is, you know, because he is passive. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't work hard in general. He doesn't. Um, he's not aggressive. And that's that's more of an internal thing. That's you know because he had that problem in college, so that was that that predates any situation prior to the Bulls. So Patrick Williams has to be the one that starts this this journey or the, you know this initiative of him becoming a better player. And I like I said I said on an earlier call a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, I'm sorry that. To me, it starts on the defensive end with him. Um, but I'm going to be honest. Patrick Williams should take it personally that he got benched last year in favor of Alex Caluso, a six-four guard who doesn't shoot well. But he brings the intensity and the intangibles, you know, that, that, that make a basketball team click. So so that's, that's my call. I just want to stop seeing people blame Levine and DeRozan for the reason that Patrick Williams is not, you know, getting more touches. Because if the ball is swung to him, and like you said earlier, he only averages just 2.5 drives a game. He's passing up shots. He's not being aggressive. He's not being assertive. So I think, you know, with increasing activity on the defensive end, the Bulls get out and run more. That'll start to build up his confidence. And and that's, to me, that's more of an internal thing. Not anything – to do with the other teammates because real quick, DeRozan does work with Patrick Williams in the offseason. So a guy that works with you in the offseason does want to see you succeed. So
0: how bad do you want it
2: in regards to Patrick Williams? That's my call. See you Go Bulls.
0: Nothing but pure facts dropped here. And I'm going to say this. Ed, I hope that you're watching this. I got a job for you. Email me. I want to talk to you about something. But with that being said, Pete Will's lack of development isn't just because of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Players have developed with high volume usage players, some that play their same position. Kawhi was able to develop on a team with Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan. Yes, it was going towards the end of their careers, but guess what? Their usage rates were still extremely high, and that comes to coaching, right? Paul George was able to develop on a team that had Danny Granger, one of the highest usage rate players in the NBA at that point. Yes, he went down with with injury, but again, you can develop, and the fact of the matter is it's not just on play because you have players that that have high value right look at the number Patrick Williams averages 7.7 shots per game for his career when you add in the number of shots that Will also passes up at times right he could easily have gotten in the flow of this offense 10 to 11 shots per game that's typical of players around that area that Patrick Williams is in. P. Will's lack of development isn't just because of Zach Levine and DeMar Rosen. You can't make the argument that he would have more opportunities naturally if he didn't have those type of high-volume players on his team. Yes, that's possible. But the fact of the matter is I look at coaching and P. Will's mentality. Those two things are the biggest things that hurt and hold P. Will back. You don't have a head coach that is invested in P. Will's development outside of saying, hey, go out there, play tough defense, we're going to get you some corner three shots. That's it. And he's developed in that area when you look at how you how he doubled his three-point shooting volume and then was still the Chicago Bulls' best three-point shooter by percentage, right? So you have to look at that. His, his He can't continue to be passive on the court. The aggression needs to be the highlight for him coming into the season. And I love that Ed pointed out, P. Will didn't even, it didn't seem like, took his benching personally. I believe there was a quote last season after that where he kind of said, oh, I I understand it, right? You have to unlock something, and P. Will has to want it. And I think once P. Will does want it, we're going to see a very, very different Patrick Williams and how he's going to impact the Chicago Bulls team. But shout out to Ed for a great voicemail he left there. All right, let's get into the next one. This one's from Shea.
1: Yo, 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 hey, what's up, man? Look, hey, I know that this may sound stupid, but it's worth a try. I think for that last roster spot, I think the Bulls should look to sign William Gabriel. Look, I know he's not the end-all, be-all, but let's think about it for a second. Before he was out of the Lakers rotation, before they got, you know, whatever that dude that we wanted, his name starts with a V, But I don't know his name, but he was in that starting lineup. But before they made the big trades, this guy shared a lot of their win percentages and a lot of their win percentages on the defensive end before he was out of the rotation. And I feel like he could be a big help, especially since Billy Donovan likes playing a small lineup, and then he is effective at the center spot. Look, I know you probably... May not agree, but this dude is 26 six years old, and he is good on the defensive end. And then, too, think about it. Majority of the Lakers win, and then again, back when they had Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, he had some of their win shares, and he was very effective for them coming off the bench when he was in the lineup. Anyway, man, tell me what you think. I think he could really help us, especially as our third-strength center, and he does his job well. Plus, he fits the age limit. He fits the age you have that we have on our team,
0: which is 26, around the same age as Javon Carter and Zach Levine. When in gray, uh, Gabriel, um, here's what I say: I know that you th- you thought that I would hate it. I actually don't mind it at all. Again, the 15th roster spot is not somebody that you necessarily expect to come in and perform for you, right? When you look at it, and I've already broken it down. Billy Donovan likes to go nine players deep, usually with a 10th uh, players uh, crawling in there. We're gonna have Dalen Terry, Ayodele um fighting over those minutes, Julian Phillips, whatever. So I don't expect the player that the Bulls sign to be somebody who's who's used consistently in their rotation. But when you look at Gabriel, 26 years old, averaged 5.5 uh, points per game and 4.2 rebounds per game, he's not really a threat at all to to protect the rim for his career, only averaging less than a half a block for his career. But when you look at it, when you have a player that in 15 minutes got you 5-5 five and five, basically, there's a role for that player, especially on the end of the bench. And I do think that as that, like you said, that third center on the roster, I wouldn't mind it at all. I'm not saying that it's the perfect acquisition that I would like the Bulls to do with their last roster spot, but it's not a bad one. And it's not a bad proposal either. I like the idea of Gabriel being on the back end of this bench. I think uh, I've said it before in a couple of videos. I think the Bulls are kind of waiting for, you know, to see what happens with a Christian Wood, a Kelly Oubre Jr., to see what happens with uh okc thunder's roster where they're gonna have to cut a probably a pretty good young player there as well to make their way down to 15 after having i think 19 guaranteed contracts on their books right now so those things are coming and that may be what the bulls are waiting for as well but gabriel i don't hate it i don't hate it that's my time for today guys thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of chicago bull central you guys can follow the show at bull central pod you can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. I'm um, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the episode, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like like ten every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break, Break- Media. Media.